In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the first Sunday of the Coptic month of Hatur. And um, this week and next week, actually, the readings uh, for the Gospel are, are about the same parable, which is the parable of the sower. And in this week's account of the same of that parable, we read from St. Luke's account. And um, I want just to, sometimes the, um, the psalm in the beginning gives us a, an indication of, uh, or it helps us to unlock a little bit of the meaning that the church wants to give us on the day and the readings of this day. And um, if, we, if, we look, if we look at the psalm, uh, we read, Saturate her furrows, multiply her fruits, the crops springing up shall rejoice in its drops. You will bless the crown of the year because of your goodness, and your plains shall be filled with fatness. And when we see, when we read about the, the account of the parable, sometimes because the Lord mentions about the different kinds of soils, our, our minds and our hearts immediately go to analyzing which soil we are. Which one am I? Am I the one that is on the hard rock or am I the one that uh, has thorns? Or perhaps I'm the one that does bear fruit and uh, yields uh, 30-fold, 60-fold or 100-fold. Um, and I don't think that's really the point of the parable. The point of the parable is not that we sit together and analyze which soil we are. Because for sure we will be wrong. And for sure there are some days that we are one kind of soil and in other days we are another kind of soil. So what is the point of the parable? Again, if we look at the psalm, it seems that the, the focus is on what God is doing. You water the ridges abundantly. You settle its furrows. You make it soft with showers. You bless its growth. You crown the year with your goodness and your paths drip with abundance, says the psalmist in Psalm 65. So the agency here is given, the priority of the agency is given to what God is doing, not what my part is. Okay? In other words, I want us to reflect together on how the true meaning of the parable is about the sower, not about the soil. And if we understand this, then we, we enter into a greater uh, depth of understanding of the love of God, His mercy and His, and His hope in us and humanity. Like the other parables that our Lord spoke, um, using everyday language that the people of His time would clearly understand, many of them farmers owning land and sowing and reaping. Right? He also told a parable about a lost coin. Right? And he said that suppose a woman who has ten silver coins lost one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So in the same way that the focus of the parable of the lost coin is on this agency of, of, of the one who is seeking, right? the parable of the sower is about the father who sends his son to sow, to sow his goodness, his love, his mercy, his word into the world, 
and he will be persistent. He will persist in sowing. He will be reckless in sowing. He will, he will be a fool in sowing. Think about it. Jesus is speaking to people who are farmers. They understand their trade very well. Like the fishermen that he called to be his disciples. Everyone who is uh, experienced in farming would be able to identify the good soil from the bad soil. A good farmer is not going to throw good seed on rocks. A good, uh, a good farmer is not going to throw good seeds where there are thorns. The good farmer will know which is the right soil to put all of his seeds and, with hope and anticipation. So, it's as if the Lord is giving the example of, a, of, of God's agency in the world, his, his activity in the world, as kind of reckless, foolish. Right? But that's the whole point. The whole point of the parable is that the Lord wants to reveal to us this reckless love of God. God is so persistent to reach every single person that He sows His seed everywhere. In the bad heart, in the heart that is choked with cares, in the heart that is forgetful and will immediately receive and then forget what it has received, and in the good heart, and in the good heart there are measures of, of hearts that receive and, and bear fruit, 30, 60, 100 fold. In other words, God will leave no soil unturned. He will leave no soil without seed. And He will keep throwing the seed until perhaps the hard soil, the, the rocky soil, becomes good soil. Or the, the soil that has thorns becomes good soil. He will keep sending his seed into the world, into our hearts. He will keep, to use another expression in the book of Revelation, I will stand at the door, what? Knocking. He stands knocking. He's like the, the woman who keeps searching for the lost coin. Right? Uh, one of the meditations on the parable of the lost, the, the lost coin was again to show the foolishness of this woman. She lost one coin, and then when she found the one coin, she invited all of her friends and neighbors and celebrated with them, which would have cost more than the one coin that she lost. In other words, she spent more on the celebration than on what she lost. She was kind of reckless, but she couldn't help it because of her joy. She was willing to spend all of the other nine coins, rejoicing that she found the lost coin. This is the message that our Lord wants to give us in the parable today. It's not about you and I trying to analyze which soil we are. It's about our focus on the good and loving Father who keeps sowing seed into your heart and into my heart. Right? St. John, in the beginning of his Gospel, he says, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave power to become sons of God. So he, he comes into the world and he reveals himself and he reveals his Father. And to those who received him, to accepted him, he became, gave them the power to become children of God. But he keeps coming. Right? And that's really a nice message for us in anticipation of Advent. 
the coming one. He came in history. He comes by grace. He comes by mercy. He comes by His Word. He is the one who is always coming, not just once in history, but He is the God who is consistently coming into the world to reveal Himself. Right? So we see that in a sense Jesus is reveal, revealing this great defect of the Father. This recklessness, this foolishness of his love. We see the same thing in many of the parables. The parable of the prodigal son. The father in receiving his wayward son seems reckless in his forgiveness, in his mercy. Where's the justice? Where's, where's the payback? It's not there. Only you are my son. Bring the, the robe and the ring and the sandals and kill the fatted calf. The laborers of the 11th hour think about the recklessness of, of this image of God. He hires some at the first hour and he promises them a certain wage. And he brings people even until the 11th hour and he gives them the same wage. Where's the justice in that? Where's the fairness? There is a great defect in the love of God. And he wants us to have that defect. He wants us in our relationship with one another in our relationship with one another, to have the same defect, to treat one another with that kind of recklessness, that foolishness, not by justice, but by mercy, by compassion, by forgiveness, by kindness, by generosity. Remember the Lord with His arms outstretched on the cross saying, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. What can be more generous than at the moment that you are in your worst agony, at the hands of your worst enemies, and to have such a generous heart, to have such a forgiving heart. So, the Lord sows His seed, even though He knows that today I might be faithful, and tomorrow I might be unfaithful. Today I might be righteous, I might stay away from sin, tomorrow I will fall into sin. And I live this cycle in my life, this painful cycle of falling and getting up and falling and getting up. But all he cares about is the joy of throwing his seed, right? Again, a nice meditation for us is to think about this sower who has this huge bag of seed over his shoulder. And he goes through his field and he's just singing in anticipation of the harvest. And he's, as he's singing, he's throwing his seed to the right and he's sing, throwing his seed to the left. And he's throwing his seed everywhere. And he's just full of joy, full of anticipation, hoping that some will bear good fruit. And so, in the book of Acts, it said that Jesus went about doing good. He went about sowing his seed, throwing his seed recklessly, foolishly, doing good. And this is the, the model for us, not to live with one another by standards of justice, but to live with each other by this sort of recklessness. Who can say which soil he is? Which one of us can dare be accurate enough to say which kind of soil we are? It's not about the quality of the dirt. It's about the quality of God, the divine sower. We want to judge what kind of dirt we are, but God simply wants to keep sowing His life in us, 
his divine life. Elder Paisu says, The spiritually noble person rises above logic and justice. The more spiritual a person becomes, the fewer rights he has in this life. The spiritual person only gives and never asks to receive. So you see, according to one of the saints, what is the measure of spiritual maturity? It is to rise more and more above logic and justice. It is to give up more and more one's rights for the sake of love for the other. It is to more and more give and never ask to receive. With joy, with happiness. St. Paul, he wanted to sow this, if I can use the same expression, to sow this mind or this this thought in the people of, of, of Corinth. He said to them, I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Right? This seed, the Lord says, unless the, the grain of wheat, what falls into the ground, what, and dies, it does not bear fruit. But if it dies, then it bears much fruit. The seed has to enter into the earth, be buried under the earth, right? This is an image that St. Paul wants to give to the Corinthians that unless you die to yourself, unless you follow the, the mind of Christ, who did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped and exploited, but humbled himself and made himself a slave, a servant to all, right? Unless you have this mind, then we miss the gospel, we miss the point of the cross, we miss the point of Christianity. St. Paul wants to tell them, unless the cross is at the center of your life, then I don't want to know you. We're just another philosophy, we're just another way of life that, that comes from human logic and, and ways of understanding the world. But he says to the disciples, but, but blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. He gives them the parable, he explains to them the parable, and he, he kind of calls them apart from the rest of the people to be people of understanding, people of sight. To hear is one thing, to understand is something totally different. To see with the eyes is something, but to perceive something different. He says to his disciples, blessed are your eyes, for they truly see, they perceive the truth. And your ears, not because they heard my words, there are many who heard the words of the Lord and they didn't understand them. They didn't penet- it didn't penetrate their heart, didn't change their life. But blessed are your eyes and your ears, for they see and they hear, right? This attentiveness, this readiness, this willingness only comes with humility. The person who has set himself above the Word of God will always find that he is blinded by the Word of God, that he is deaf to the Word of God. But the humble person, the one who makes himself this soil, this dirt, that is willing to receive, to hear, to perceive, to understand, then the seed will be very powerful. It will change the person's life. And so the parable, we can say, is not, a, it's not about morality. It's not about ethics. It's about mysticism. It's about the mystical life of Christ. Something is sown in the human heart and it begins to grow. And we can't see it. And we can't understand how it grows. Right? So Christ is telling this parable in, 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 as part of a group of parables about the kingdom of God. He's not just teaching them about right and wrong. 
he's teaching them about how the kingdom of God works, how the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God is established on earth, in the church, and in every human heart. The kingdom of God is like a seed, and it keeps penetrating, keeps digging deeper and deeper into the soul until the kingdom of God grows 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold in this life, infinitely in the next life. The word becomes like another incarnation. We become God-bearers, if you will, like the mother of God in a different way. Not like her giving body to the incarnate God, but by each one of us becoming bearers of the word and having that kingdom of God grow within us. So perhaps we can look at this parable also as a preparation for the season of Advent. The word desires to be incarnate in us. The word desires to be enfleshed in our lives. But it also requires us to be people who are willing to listen and to see. The seed, as I said, is the grain of wheat that dies. So, like the psalmist says many times, it is sown in tears, but it reaps with joy. So that the seed is the seed of the passion of the Lord too. It is the seed of the cross. Saint, or the, the, David the prophet and king says, Those who sow with tears will reap with exceeding joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with exceeding joy, carrying their sheaves with them. So the cross is the, the key to understanding the seed which dies under the ground. It's sometimes sown with, with tears, but it is reaped with joy. The cross on Good Friday, a day of tears. Sunday, the fruit, the resurrection, the day of joy. And this is how the Word works in us. This is how the kingdom of God works in us. And this is how also we have to live with one another, to live this life of the passion of Christ within us. When he said to his disciples on the night of the Last Supper, my broken body, take, eat, this is my broken body. And then he said to them, do this in remembrance of me. He didn't just say to them, do this ritual in remembrance of me. But do this act of breaking your body in remembrance of me. As I broke my body for the world, he says to us, each one of us, do this. Do this. This breaking of your body. This death of yourself for the sake of the other, for the sake of love, the love of God and the love of your neighbor. Unless you agree to be a broken body and have shed blood, then you will never understand the teaching of the Lord and the kingdom of God and the key to the lives of the saints, the key to the lives of the saints who, who understood that glory comes with the death of the self, the death of the ego, the death of, of self-sufficiency, self-satisfaction, the desires of this world. So, in the parable of the sower then, let us meditate together, let us reflect 
on this agency of God, this, this beautiful reflection of, of God who is reckless and foolish and seeking after us, running after us, throwing his seed here and there, hoping that our hearts, with time, being pounded by the seed, will begin to soften and soften and soften so that his seed will bear the kingdom of God within us. And to him is due all glory now and ever into the ages of ages.